coming up on this week's Redcast. Because I think they were very much looked at as different processes, to get a viewpoint across, you almost had to stand back and look at them individually. Whereas I think what we're trying to do now is look and go, well, actually, if I get an alert on my transaction screening um, tool, how does that then lie in? Or if I already looked at that from my onboarding or um, periodic review process? We get to a point, it's like, okay, well, we've been through 10 regulations now, all major ones, okay. There's an overlap between all of them, but what we've done is we've built control on top of control on top of control, and that starts to actually slow the business down and slow, you know, compliance and operational teams down. Being able to balance it up and being able to get the on it, the right honest forum, and that's not easy because you've got to get buy-in from your COO, your business heads, everybody's got to be aligned in terms of how do we prioritize this process. And some organizations do it well, some don't do it so well. Focus on particular pain points and then move adjacent to one or two things because that's what well, that's what I'm seeing organizations look for. They're not looking for, I need one thing that's gonna solve all my risk or all my compliance or all my economic crime problems um, because the silver bullet doesn't exist. It feels like after you know five years of sandboxes, reports, and uh, lots of good debate, you know, we might be ready to take some action, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to see who steps up and, and, and how they, then empower regulators to do their job. Welcome to Redcast. 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 Shining a light on challenges and opportunities for digital compliance. Well, welcome everybody. Thank you very much for joining our season two, episode eight, which is on the economic crime and reg tech priorities. I'm PJ DiGemarino, CEO and founder of JWG. And I am really pleased to be here talking with a couple of experts about the shape of reg tech and what's happening with the economic crime space overall in advance of our conference on the 23rd of June. Um, the way we look at priorities right now is, is, is that there's a lot to sort through and there are many things changing all at once. Uh, we're, we're moving from uh, a siloed based view of how each firm needs to manage its controls to more holistic solutions that can even include common databases uh, it's no longer all about everything that you do within your firm. Um, it, 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 there's been lots of automation in this space, lots of good use of spreadsheets and, and workflow, uh, but, the, but the tooling is getting better and more digital. Um, so that's another big shift. Um, but we've had a lot more push to integrate the different controls. And when we say economic crime, it's very broad from everything from money laundering to terrorist financing to sanctions to... Uh, a, whole, a whole raft of other things that one uses the information in the system for. And there's a lot more information and you need to process it a lot more quickly. So it's no longer good enough to be able to say, yeah, I'll get that sanctions check in in three days. You know, it, it, you know there are questions now about how, why did it take you 45 minutes? So all of that together means we've got a, a lot of different um, systems that need to start moving and a lot of new ways we could be leveraging better technology. So what better way to get at that question than get two operations and technology experts that have, have migrated one really into compliance and another more into the collaborative solution space to talk about it. So I'm really pleased to have both of you here. Chris, thank you for joining. Give us a quick uh, introduction to, uh, to, to what you do. Cool. 
Thanks, PJ. Uh, so I'm Chris Beaver. Uh, my current role is the UK MLRO and Group, group Compliance COO for GAM Investments. Um, historically, I've managed a number of kind of regulatory teams, both in the KYC space and the reporting space globally for different organisations. Um, I think I've been involved in kind of the AML KYC world for probably about 20 years now um, around it and watched the evolution. So primary from an operations perspective, but now sitting on the compliance side of things to understand how that works as well. Fantastic. And just give us a sense for those that might be listening in, in other places, the, the shape of GAM and, and the... Um that type of business you're in? Cool, so, so GAM is a global um, asset manager. Um, mainly our presence is in the UK, Luxembourg, Ireland, Switzerland, the US uh, and APAC. Uh, we manage obviously different funds, both for ourselves and for other um, parties as well um, around it. So yeah, we've got a global asset management presence. Thanks very much. Karen, so, let's hear your story. Cheers, PJ. Good to see you both. Um, so, Karen Jane, I'm CEO for Now One. Um, Now One provides digital sandboxes and fintech and regtech as a service. So, we're all about um, bringing technologies together and enabling businesses uh, to solve for, in this case, regulation and, and consumer protection to a point. Um, <clears throat> Prior to that, I used to run uh, technology, so I was CIO for Europe and America's for Australian Bank. Um, background includes 20 years of finance and technology uh, in capital markets, wealth, insurance, um, and number of transformation projects um, between number of continents. Uh, this would be my, I toggle between corporate and, and startup land. This is my third stint back into the startup land. Uh, good to be here. Fantastic. And just so people get a sense of where NIA One is positioned, can you give us a, a feel for the types of projects that you've got going on that are relevant to the economic crime space? Yeah, absolutely. So at a macro level, most clients, so financial services firms work with us to evaluate which reg techs might be suitable to help them get to their um, regulatory solutions at a holistic level. Uh, where we're seeing more and more is uh, uh, that transition from one to two reg techs into actually what is the full economic crime value chain looks like and what companies are going to be able to work with my internal stack uh, and drive that solution at a more holistic level. Um, so we can go into more detail, but that's at a macro level, that's where we see uh, us working with the clients at the moment. Fantastic. I mean, there's plenty of perspectives there I'm sure we'll be touching on. So Chris, let's come to you with the, the kick us off. What, how has the demand for reg tech really changed in the last three to five years? I mean, we've been talking about reg tech now for over a decade, but, but obviously things have, have moved on a bit. What, where, where's the demand going from your perspective? So, so I think probably the, the key change I've seen um, is I think if you go back a few years you'd be looking at a lot of it was focused on workflow and how do you get all of the kind of KYC AML documents and the KYC reviews and the onboarding processes a bit more efficient and holistic because um, that, that's where most people were generally struggling with in terms of the volume um, around it. What I think I've seen over the last few years is much more of a move to 
being able to look at the different data points and see where they overlap across silos. And, and what I mean by that is, obviously, you screen new clients as they come in, um, but then you may have a sanction process or you may have a transaction monitoring process, which is doing similar screening, which usually is done by a different tool or a different provider. And, and I think the demand now is trying to look at how do you get visibility across those different related processes um, and be able to look at the data and then um, interrogate it and work out actually have I got issues around it so it's much more of a I think from a workflow to a data uh, requirements and, and give us a sense for that workflow I mean we've talked about Excel uh, I, I think it depends. I think historically people have used Excel. They've used um, kind of just email workflows around it. I think the, the the big change we saw with a lot of the big workflow vendors coming in was not just being able to um, align kind of your input data points, but then also be able to work out if you've got a client that's got a relationship in multiple locations, what are the requirements and just simplify the flow in terms of what do I need to do from a documentation and a validation perspective for an initial relationship and then a periodic review. Um, and you may have had a workflow tool that looks at, right, I've got a payment or a screening transaction process, which is looking at very similar information, but looking at it usually for a different system or a different flow um, around it. And because I think they were very much looked at as different processes, to get a viewpoint across, you almost had to stand back and look at them individually. Whereas I think what we're trying to do now is look and go, well, actually, if I get an alert on my transaction screening um, tool, how does that then lie in? Or have I already looked at that from my onboarding or um, periodic review process? Um, and it's a lot of it is reducing duplication and trying to work out, am I capturing all the right risk points? Whereas I think historically it was just right, how do we make sure we've got all the data points and we've onboarded the clients correctly? Got it. So that, that, that's actually something the FCA has been uh, banging on for a, 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 about for a bit. I think there was a thematic review in 2019 that they're echoing now in MarketWatch 69, right? Yeah. But basically saying the, the, those, the risk framework needs to be more tightly integrated between those various silos. Definitely, definitely. And, and it's it's not always that easy to do because you may have different teams running it. So you may have an operations team running the onboarding or the review process, and you may have a compliance team looking at the transactions or the screening processes or the escalation. And I say it's more the software usually, not always, are different providers um, or different solutions. And it's them being able to figure out and get some alignment between those. Got it. Karen, what, how does it align with, with, with your perspectives and how, how broad did you see these frameworks actually becoming? Yeah, good question. I think uh, in the last 18 months, the definition of reg tech for me has changed because traditionally when you think about reg tech, you're thinking about AML, you're thinking about you know all the good things Chris mentioned. But what I'm starting to see is people starting to merge some of the cybersecurity, not, you know, core cybersecurity tooling, but, you know, more from a reporting and governance cybersecurity, because that, you know, there's a lot of regulators are coming out with quasi-regulation around that. Also things around uh, uh, operational resilience. That's, that's you know, that, that, that will, that's, that's causing a lot of uh, new segments within reg tech itself, right? Um, but, but if I'm, to Chris's point, if I step back and look at it from that point of view, I'm kind of seeing this as end-to-end -end risk management overlay and crossing into um, 
reg tech as well as compliance. And, and you know, we've seen that in a lot of banks, um, the two shall be good friends um, because effective risk management with uh, the right compliance, uh, compliance governance and controls is, is what keeps the, the, the firm and its customers safe. So I'm seeing broadening from that point of view and, and a lot of, uh, lot of uh, C-suites uh, and, and GMs kind of going, okay, we'll need to look at this a little bit more holistically. And we, to Chris's point, can't have you know, one team looking at onboarding and the other one looking at transaction monitoring and the tool shall never talk either in human or in the system. So seeing a lot of, uh, <laughs> seeing a lot of that come through, but, um, but very much so with the, with the so there's a, there's a risk transformation project we're involved in. Um, and that looks at uh, all sorts of um, money laundering directive. Looks at you know it looks at third party supply risk management. Looks at you know so it's the it's the holistic view. Won't be easy, but I think it's it's the right thing to do. And Karen, I think the key point you say there is obviously the, the holistic view, and I think it's being able to be able to almost get. Trying to get 100% visibility is very difficult in that scenario, but actually being able to see the connections, I think, around it, I, I, I'd agree with you. I think that's where we've got to be going to get a much better view of the risk management. We can't look at it as operational risk, financial crime risk. It's got to be, right, guys, These, this is the risk. What are the components within that and where do they overlap, as you say? And, and then that's a challenge, I think, from a technology and also from an organisational standpoint as well. Yeah, I agree with you. I 100% agree with you. Um, yeah, and where this all gets real is in the control framework, right? You know, so if I listen to you talk about operational resilience, which is broadly defined as, you know, the outcome of good op risk management, I'm right now back into my, um, my, my risk assessments that I'm doing and my controls and all the reviews that I have to do around everything. And that gets to be really, really tricky, especially when you start layering on new regulations. I mean, how, what... Chris, give us a view from your perspective in a compliance add-on now, how you, how you think of trying to track all the different types of controls that you need. Um, difficulty <laughs> is, is probably the easiest way of describing it. And I think there's kind of two challenges. One is the amount of regulation coming down and actually just determining what impacts your organization, because some bits will, some bits won't. Um, and then obviously you've got the cross jurisdictional impacts. But I, th I think the big bit we've probably seen evolve, um, and it's probably always been there, but I think it's probably just a bit more obvious now is we may look at a piece of regulation from a financial crime perspective, but I think to Karen's point is a lot more holistic now because that may impact our operational uh, resilience requirements because we may use a third party provider that's part of our um, essentially our value chain around it so we've now got to have the risk oversight of what are they doing and being able to show the correct governance models so it, it's a lot more interlinked particularly I think across the whole trade or client train um, around it now and it comes with different challenges and trying to look at as you say the individual controls because some may be an ops risk control some may be a financial crime control and I think it goes back to the, the challenge I think we all need well I, I, I know I particularly need from a reg tech solution is how how do I get visibility of the, all these bits when actually that may not be in the world I control or I am responsible for at the moment? I think um, very good point there, Chris. And I just, just want just to add a small point, which is where the regulation starts to overlap as well. 
Um, so, you know, there might be, you know, to the controls that, that we need uh, for each regulation, it's, it's, it's been for the last 10, 15 years, very linear journey for all of us. It's like regulation comes out, program spins up, let's implement that. Second regulation comes out, program spins up, let's implement that. We get to a point, it's like, okay, well, we've been through 10 regulations now, all major ones, okay. There's an overlap between all of them, but what we've done is we've built control on top of control on top of control, and that starts to actually slow the business down and slow, you know, compliance and operational teams down. You, so I just wanted to just wanted to tease that point out that you mentioned, which is the interlinking between the regulation. It almost is now about, you know, as you say, stepping back and looking and go, okay, can can one control satisfy six points in three different regulations? Um, which is which is which is the important. Uh, I think I think is the efficiency. The other thing um, uh, I find is when 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 some 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 of my colleagues would say. Um, that regulation is not a competitive advantage. And I don't want to go, because that's a whole topic on its own, PJ, for, for later. But I think these days, regulation or compliance is absolutely a competitive advantage for you know, how fast you can move. Because you can, you can, that's the speed of business you can bring in to the company uh, while protecting the business uh, at the same time. So you know, maybe that's just a different perspective. Yeah, I may put a slightly different spin on it. I think I heard you use the word efficiency, but it's very much also effectiveness. Correct. Right. So I, I do question if you have uh, six different controls uh, for, for, you know, uh, six different regulations driving one set of controls with multiple operators looking at looking for risks. How do you know you got everything? Mm -hmm. You know, and so if you're going to be holistic and it comes down to then, okay, well, what are you asking people to do and how are they working together? Yeah, I think that's a really important point. I think in my mind, you would choose effective over efficient on the topic we're on because yeah. you can't just afford to be efficient if you're not effective. Uh, oh, I mean, ultimately, I think it's being able to stand back and look at it from a... An, wearing my compliance hat uh, pretty much is, is it, is it working as I want it to work? As you say, the effectiveness first, then it's a question. Once I know it's effective, if it's managing my risk, can I get some efficiency out of it? Because I think if you start the other way around, you're gonna, just going to end up in problems very, very quickly I, um, around it. I agree. I made, I made an assumption it's effective already, PJ. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we, we all know that works. <laughs> yeah. 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 Thanks. <laughs> So, so, I mean, Chris, give us a sense from your perspective where you start in terms of setting priorities then for, for this, because you're, you're, you're on a journey. I mean, the, the, the plane is crossing the ocean. You don't have a chance to kind of stop and change out the engines. How, how do you manage the priorities on this? <laughs> there are a couple of different ways, I guess, is what one you've got to look at implementation timeline because that's going to be a big driver in terms of where you prioritize if you've got something that's due in three years versus something that's due in three months you've clearly got to look at it but then it's also being able to look at that and go what's the impact of the organization because the three-year projects could be a huge piece and you need 20 different it people or 10 different business people to get involved around it so i think being able to analyze and work out what's the impact to the organization so a, a basic business impact assessment it doesn't need to be co too complex but then trying to work out okay how do we then prioritize that within the organization because regulation isn't just a compliance problem or an ops problem it's everybody's problem in the organization um, and then and i say problem in terms of an opportunity as well and i think when you have got that base 
impact assessment, you've got to be able to sit down with the right people across an organization and then prioritize that against the other change or um, improvement projects that are underway. Because a lot of the time, I think re regulation is just one change um, in reality, and it may not be the business priority either um, around it. So it's being able to balance it up and being able to get the on it, the right honest forum. And that's not easy because you've got to get buy-in from your COO, your business heads. Everybody's got to be aligned in terms of how do we prioritize this process? And some organizations do it well, some don't do it so well um, around it, but it's, I think that in itself is almost an evolutionary process as well. Karen, have you, you're seeing this from maybe more the vendor perspective. What, what do you, how would you advise reg tech solution providers uh, to, to be thinking about their priorities in the next couple of years? That's a, that's a really good question. Um, from a reg tech provider perspective, I think I would advise them to look at what problem they're solving for a particular client and actually go deep before they go wide. Because most organizations have some sort of solution in place and they're reaching out or they're looking for a reg tech solution to address a particular regulation, a pain point, um, and you know they've got some sort of workflow already implemented, right? So I guess I guess to Chris's point, right? Like it's hard to herd all the cats into the into the boardroom, get the priorities right, and get the funding for it, and go. I think I think what I'm what I'm what I'm seeing is it's very targeted pain points that people want to solve because there's not a you know. It's, it's no different to when there's cash available, when there's cash not available. There's, organizations always have to prioritize. So the short answer is, if I was talking to reg tech vendors, I'd say focus on particular pain points and then move adjacent to one or two things because that's what, well, that's what I'm seeing organizations look for. They're not looking for, I need one thing that's gonna solve all my risk or all my compliance or all my economic current problems um, because the silver bullet doesn't exist um, and it's different for all organizations. I'd 100% agree. I think it's, there are so many different solutions out there. You can sit there and kind of go, actually, I can buy 10 different things and it will solve these 10 different issues. But I think it's being able to be particularly clear on what problem you're trying to solve now. What problem do you want to solve next? Because um, there may be complementary aspects. I think if you try to solve it all in one hit, you're not going to find one vendor to do that. You're not going to find one solution. And to us, I don't think you'll get to Karen's point deep enough into the issue if you're looking that broad. I think you've got to focus it, but keeping your mind on the point as we started with, how do you get the information out so I can make holistic decisions on this um, around it and not just treat it as this is a siloed piece of work. So you've got to be able to get deep, but also make sure you've got the holistic outputs, uh, which sounds much easier than it really is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, the other, the, there's the other side of the coin, right? Which is the CTOs and the CIOs in the organization going, well, I don't want 60 vendors. I just want one big vendor who can come in and solve everything for me. So there's the other healthy, I wouldn't call it, well, there's, let's call it healthy tension on the other side of the fence, right? Which is like, okay, I just want one vendor that can do everything. And, and we go into, we're back to 2015, where we get one big vendor, and then we spend the next five years coding up what they can't do or need to get deep, right? So I think there's a, there's a balance, and this is the healthy tension between the market and, and, and how organizations are set up to go, 
how much do I need to invest internally, right? And how much do I need to buy? And what problems am I actually starting to solve or need to solve? And it kind of encapsulates all the points that we've been talking about, you know, Chris and I, which is around having the holistic view, looking at the, you know, assuming the, the, the compliant, the, the, the regulation is uh, effectively compliance in the organization, then you start looking for efficiencies. So those, those are, that kind of brings it, brings it together. Yeah. No, look, I think, I think you guys have done an excellent job teeing up the way to look at the priorities. I don't know that we can really nail what the priorities are without going into that next level of detail. And that, that's why we've scheduled this half day seminar that that's uh, anyone can register for in, in 23rd of June. And I thank you both for participating. Just to wrap this up, what, what, what are the things that you're most looking forward to discussing with your peers at the, at this seminar? Um, Chris, let's uh, let, let you kick off. I mean, what, what is it that's changed the game and, and that you're new and exciting that uh, you, you, you're looking forward to next month? Uh, I, I think the recent sanctions issues, I think of, they're not new. Um, I, I think the, the amount of them that are happening at the moment and being able to see how, or try and understand how, or, is everybody else getting the underlying data and being able to compare the information um, around it? Because I think there's a lot of opportunity to probably use the data more effectively. Um, again, kind of as we were talking about, how do we get out of those silos and use the information? So I think trying to understand how people are using that information and what they're doing, because that's had real world ramifications. Um, but it's been quite a challenge because you may get the same instrument sanctioned in one location but not in another and then how do you deal with those kind of things and um, so quite looking forward to hearing people's views and how, how they're handling that situation yeah and with such a global audience it, it, it will be interesting to see all the different perspectives we had 39 jurisdictions at the last one and you know so we wow. yeah it, 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 it's uh, it's a great way to clear all that karen from what's what, what are you looking forward to I'm looking for two things. Uh, one is what are some of the value chains in, in the space of regulation that people are focused on? You know, economic crime might be one of them. And if you go a little bit deeper and get, and what are the, some of the solutions that need to interoperate to provide effective and efficient compliance to, um, you know, someone like Chris's business. So that's, that's you know, so I'm, I'm interested in, 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 in looking learning more about that because every business is different and i think it'll be a pattern though um the second thing that i'm also pretty excited about is uh talking about the or discussing the impact of technology advancements on on reg tech you know as we said reg tech what used to be 10 years ago was used to be just aml but now if you look at reg tech it includes elements of security elements of um esg elements of um operational resilience and we have new and new technology coming out so so what does that what does that all mean so all in all pretty excited for the 23rd of june shows the uh reg tech nerd in me yeah i got i guess to that point you know like we've, we've been having these conversations literally for years and it may sound a bit boring to some people but i think we really are at a tipping point now um, you know, the, we're on the, the verge of HM Treasury finally releasing their MLR rules updates, which had a whole section on reg tech. Um, we, we have the, uh, you know, from a UK perspective, we, we have the uh, new economic crime 
bill landing, which will then fundamentally start changing the way you can get at some of the information that's uh, out there in the different registries. Um, so there, it, it feels like after you know five years of sandboxes, reports, and uh, lots of good debate, you know we might be ready to take some action. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to see who steps up and, and, and how they then empower regulators to do their job, which has helped make this system more accessible and usable for the financial services institutions that need to put these controls in place. And another angle to that that I'm really looking forward to is digital assets, mm -hmm. uh, because that puts a whole new overlay when you start thinking about all these controls in the decentralized environment. So I hope to be getting into that a bit as, a bit as well. Um, so thank you. Thanks guys very much for helping to lay the scene out today. It, it's been a pleasure to have you on here. I, I think that uh, I'm very much looking forward to the 23rd of June and we'll, we'll put the link in the show notes, but I, I also have to pass on some sad news. And, and this, this podcast has done really, really well in New Zealand. And I'm sure in large part, it's due to Gordon Chapel. For those of you who didn't know Gordon, he was a, a, a man amongst boys in the reg tech space. And, and he uh, came from New Zealand to the UK, worked at the Financial Conduct Authority for a number of years and really helped energize the reg tech program uh, that, that we all worked on a number of uh, uh, programs with him, including uh, and money laundering. Um, he left the UK uh, during COVID. We haven't seen him in a while, but we just got the sad news that Gordon's passed away. We want to pass on our heartfelt condolences to his family and to all of his great friends that we know will miss him just as much as we do. Gordon, rest in peace, and uh, we, lo we look forward to carrying on the Reg Tech flame. You can download the podcast via Spotify, Apple, and Google, but also I'd encourage people to come to the JWG website, which as hopefully you will know is jwg-it.eu. Go to the Intelligence Hub and create your bespoke library.